Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. It's just a <laughs> shell game. They're just... Oh, wait a second. Tony, I gotta, I'm contractually obligated to read this ad. My appearance today is sponsored by Kevin Sheehan. <laughs> is he Kevin done yet? Sheehan, Kevin is he Sheehan, done? Much like, a, much like a cracker is merely a vehicle to shovel dip into your mouth, Kevin Sheehan is a vehicle to set up one-liners from the brilliant Gary Braun. Oh, you're too kind. Kevin Sheehan, um, like a cracker, only whiter. <laughs> uh. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. All righty then. So everybody who communicated with me really likes the fact that we are integrating the familiar voices of the show harder and harder and harder into the show, thereby repudiating everything I have done to pivot the show around and make it a sports interview show, which nobody likes. So we had Greg on yesterday and Gary on yesterday and Liz on yesterday and Gary's going to be on again today. He's with us. Ann Hornaday is going to be on. Let me thank Tamara Graham for all the goodies that she always sends. I appreciate that very much. And we'll get to uh, a variety of small news things having to do with, you know, what I looked at in the paper today down the road. But we're not going to do it now. We're going to open with Ann Hornaday if we can. And I'm going to start with something that we should have talked about before. But it doesn't really matter that we didn't talk about it before because it is ongoing and now, and I guess my essential question is, is this going to be entrenched in society that movies are now opening simultaneously in theaters where nobody seems to go and on your television set if you have the ability to stream things, which of course I don't. Uh, this, is, this strikes me as revolutionary, but maybe I'm overstating it. So I'm asking you, Ann, what... What do you make of this, and is it the the present and the future? Um, <clears throat> yes. Thanks for joining me, and thank you for coming to my TED talk. No, um, yeah. you know this has been this has been this year has been this kind of accidental social experiment um, that that where everybody made that pivot, most of us made that pivot to streaming um, seamlessly, right? Like it just felt like, okay, we're going to, you know, now we're going to do this. And it was kind of frictionless. And um, so the question now is, has the theater habit been broken forever? I would, I would quibble gently with you saying that nobody goes to them anymore. They do. They do go to theaters. You know, I think, um, you know, yes, there have been challenges to the theatrical uh, way of doing things, but certain movies still do well in theaters, and they're not just the great big bombastic spectacles that Hollywood has, I think, dumbly doubled down on, thinking those are the things that get people... No, they go to watch... Kids, teenagers go to watch horror movies still. Um, people go to watch Magic Mike and Girls Trip, you know. And, I mean, smaller movies can also do well in theaters. It's the movies, you know. It's the movies that we want to watch with other people in a communal experience, get out of the house and just go out. That isn't going away. And, if anything, I feel like there will be a pent-up demand for that when this is when we're feeling confident and safe and healthy about going back. So... I don't see this as the death knell of the theatrical experience, but um, certainly I think those windows are going to narrow. I mean, I think it, the model will change. It will shift, but that's evolution, right? I mean, I think that's just 
that's just a that's just an acknowledgement of the reality that we're living in, and and the studios and the theaters are all just trying to kind of navigate that as best they can. So let me let me push back on one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would think that I don't think that when they started showing movies on television. I'm not certain that it hurt box office at theaters because people still understood. And I'm going back 40 and 50 years now, right. mm-hmm. um, you know, with a movie of the week or something, because people still understood that the communal experience was was more interesting and more bonding. And and people did that. And when you say that people are going to theaters now, what kind of idiot is going to a theater now? <laughs> is going to be indoors sitting around people who could have this virus and just easily spread it. How? Who goes to these things now? Well, now, I meant now in terms of the age we're in. I didn't mean, like, oh. in, the, in the COVID age. I meant that oh, okay. theatrical, okay. you know, I, I don't, yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, I thought, okay, so when you say that nobody's going to the theaters, you meant during this particular period. Yes, yes. Yes, yes of course, you're right, yeah. And uh, um, that, and so so Warner Brothers, you know, like, they've been kind of dinged, and maybe rightfully so, you know, that this is kind of a cynical move to to funnel product into their uh, HBO Max platform that hasn't done yeah. gangbusters and subscriptions. And so they, a lot of people are kind of thinking this is a bad faith move on their part. But honestly, I don't know what else they were supposed to do, you know, because like you said, I'm not going to go back into a theater for a while, you know. Um, yeah. People, and, okay, I, I misunderstood what you were saying. I thought you meant kind of in the larger sweep of things. No, no, no. I mean going. in the very narrow sense, It's because yeah. it's like Broadway. Yeah. There's no Broadway. Right. Now, right. I, I love Agreed. nothing as Agreed. much as I love going to shows. You're not allowed to go. You know, know. And, and when they come back, will I... Uh, so the question, the other question, and, you know, as Don Olmeyer used to love to say, the answer to all your questions is money. I have no idea what HBO Max costs a month, but I doubt it's more than $30, right? I doubt mm-hmm. it. It's probably significantly less than that. And so if I can watch three new movies or four new movies, why would I go to the theater again and pay 10 or $12 per movie? Why would I do it? Because you're not going to want to sit in your house. Like There are times when you look at your person and say, hey, let's just see what's on and go out. You know I mean? I just think, right. and then also, like I said earlier, there are just some movies that, it's fun. And also, Tony, I, I do think that the theaters that are going to survive this the best are the beloved Avalons of the world, you know, the AFI yeah. Silvers, yeah. those theaters that are fun to go to, and you want to go to them, you know, and it's like, let's just go and have an old date night. Or So I do think, I, I take your point, I do think, though, we are, I'm interested in when are we going to reach, like you said, maybe HBO Max isn't more than 30 but then you add Netflix, and then you add Apple, and then you add Hulu, and then you add Amazon and Voodoo. So hundred dollars a month, right? And it's like, when are people? I don't know. Like, what? What are you doing? Another, exactly. Like, what's your yeah. saturation point? Um, I mean, it's just all a great big kind of. But Olmeyer is probably right. You know, I mean, all of these things should be. But I do think. I really do think. Look, the average film goer forever and ever and ever, when the MPAA does their studies on film going habits. Generally speaking, most people see about six movies a year. That's like normal. You know, those are kind of average film goers. And that feels about right, you know, in terms of just kind of like every once, every couple of months, you're going to say, hey, let's see what's on and go and then see. And then, you know, what, what did, what did Hornaday review? 
what is she? Oh, there's a four star movie at Bethesda Row. Let's go. Even though no, I, I, I agree with that. Is an issue, but you know, I love going to movies. I, I do yeah. love going to movies, and so I'm glad to hear that you don't think it's the death knell of mm -hmm. movies. There are movies being made, and and my other question seems a reasonable question. Where are these movies being made? All around the world, there is COVID. If you are if you are trying to make a movie. You're not making a, a movie with one person. There's a lot of people there. There's great risk. Where are these movies being made, and are more movies in production now? <clears throat> there are a great deal, a great number of them. <clears throat> excuse me, in production. And I know just third hand that The Matrix Four was one of the very first ones to go back. They're in Berlin, and they really did. I mean, their producers figured out. Um, a protocol, you know, I mean, they have very, very strict protocols about masking and distance and the rest. You've heard the whole thing about Tom Cruise yelling the other day. No, um, what, I don't know about oh, those. Oh, no. yeah, I mean, his Mission Impossible movie is produ being produced now. They have very strict protocols in place, and he saw a couple of crew members not obeying it and, and lit into them, you know, and of course... It's tremendous. It's like phone. porn yeah. movies and now. Spoiler it's so alert, great. someone recorded it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. you know so what? He's probably right. But, but, Tony, but he's probably yeah. right. It's just like the NHL and NBA. I mean, they, they're making bubbles, essentially. Yeah. Right. You know, they're making bubbles. And, you yeah. know, honestly, though, like I knock wood, um, it's, it is, it's doable. You know, I think these, these things... Really? People, yeah. I mean, people are producing... Like, a friend of mine is a documentary producer who's producing a wonderful series for PBS called Now Hear This. I hope it's little, better than that Bee Gees thing. That was turgid. Oh, God, it's so beautiful. It's about classical music. It's just absolutely gorgeous. But anyway, yeah, he's he's up and running, and they're doing it carefully. And really? They're, they're having to be very creative when there's a scene. You know, you know, he works with classical musicians in groups. So then it's like, uh, how, okay, do you, how do you distance yeah. that? And then how do you cheat the shot to make it look like they're not six feet apart? You know, so they're... There are definitely wow. creative and technical challenges. But Don't let James Harden on that set. He'll infect everybody. Don't let yeah. him on there. All right. That's what filmmaking is. Filmmaking is problem solving at the end of the day. You know, it's, it is, this is just another problem for these creative people to solve, and they do it. So you don't see this whole thing as the end of movies? No, I don't. I mean, I think it'll be okay. the evolution of movies, but I don't think it'll okay. be the end. Because, look, you know, here's another thing I feel like this whole... Uh, the the binging has taught us <clears throat> is that we we still love visual storytelling, and it might be a bingey series like Schitt's Creek or The Queen's Gambit, um, but it can also be you know The King's Speech and Slumdog Millionaire and these wonderful singular unitary things we call movies that we like to go see with other people you know in a discreet aesthetic experience. I do think that there is still an appetite for that. And it really does come down to, I mean, like, we can kind of slice and dice it all you want, but at the end of the day, it's going to be the movies. They have to, you know, make movies we want to see, please, you know? And, and I just, I, I think there's a little bit of a come-to-Jesus thing moment for Hollywood about these endless franchises and comic books and you know, these repetitive stories, and it's like, that's not, they, they, I think they thought that was the answer, the magic key, and I don't think it is, and I, I'm hoping maybe this will make them mm. just go back to storytelling. Will there be Oscars this year? Will I there believe... be nominations? I don't even know what, the only movie I've ever heard of this year is Wonder Woman 1984, because I do a read for it. I mean, there are Oscars? <laughs> you read for that? 
No, no, no. Uh, I mean, I have a, a, a commercial. Okay. I'm sorry. A commercial. I don't know your lingo. Uh, I don't know your jargon. You're dumb enough to buy time <laughs> yeah. here is what he means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so, yes, there will I mean, be Oscars. There will be Oscars in April, but it's all going to be really? kind of catawampus because I think, now, I'm not an I haven't really laser-like focused on Oscars yet. I think they're opening, I think they're um, extending the qualifying period to include the first part of 2021, I believe. So it's just going to be wacko. I mean, I don't know. Are there more than 10 movies that have been released? Are there more than 10 in the whole year that have been released? Oh, for goodness sake, yeah. They've been released on streaming. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay, But not, okay. I'll show you. I'll show you my schedule. It's been a fire hose. It's been a lot, a lot. And a lot of them have been very good, you know. But the question, the philosophical question is, well, is it a movie if it only came, if you saw it on your TV? Now, I will, in response to that, look, we've been, you know, when we write about Oscars and Oscar-winning movies, we critics have been writing about documentaries forever that have been made for for TV. You know, their end use is on PBS or a and you know History Channel or CNN, what? and no one blinks when it wins an Oscar. You know, uh, so I feel like that debate. You know, it's a little disingenuous to to start accusing things of being television and not movies. But anyway, that'll be an interesting. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Do you, have you seen Wonder Woman, by the way? Have you seen yeah, it? I did. Is it yeah, any good? Showed... Is it good? It's the first hour and a half. I thought, look, we're talking about a first two hour and a half. half. What is this? Exactly. A Kevin Sheehan weather forecast? Thank I mean, you. is it going to be four hours? <laughs> that's your answer right there. That's exactly oh. that's that's the punch. Wow. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's too long, and that last hour, it feels oh. like if 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 I were to kind of guess, the director Patty Jing, you know the the the. Best part about the first movie was just the, the characters. You know, Gal Gadot is really good in that role, and then you've got these fabulous supporting players like Chris Pine, who plays the love interest, and he's just so funny and subtle and great. Um, and then in this one, they have Kristen Wiig, who's also really funny and and just delivers a fabulous performance. And so watching these people interact is fun. You know, it's a fun movie. And then it's almost like they go, ooh, wait a minute, we're supposed to provide CGI. And you just get this okay. barrage of explosions and effects. And, you know, it's overplotted and it's, it just turns into that thing, you know, that I was just complaining about. That cookie cutter kind of like, oh. Yeah. And it feels tacked on, gratuitous. By that time, like I said, you're an hour and a half in. You've already seen a movie. <laughs> so that's my quibble with it. But as long as it's with those characters and those people... It's it's a lot of fun, and it's all set in Washington. That's always fun to see Washington being filmed. And, and in this case, it's in the 80s, and that's that's kind of an extra little piquant note, as we say in the trade. I was in Washington in the 80s. Maybe I'll recognize myself as a younger <laughs> man. You and it is so travels. good. That's why I so nice to hear you. No, 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 no. I do a read for it. It's different. I don't <laughs> sit at a table and have people say, next. Thank you. So good to hear your voice. Oh, Thank you I so can't much. I tell you how good it is to hear all of yours. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great holiday, Anne. Same to you, everybody. Yes. Thank you. Anne Hornaday, boys and girls. It's wonderful to hear her. We will come back um, with Jason Locke and Fora uh, and talk about football and integrate everybody into the show at that point. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. 
Okay, so this is the solo stove ad. Um, and I'll just read the top of it where it says, whether you're camping in the woods or at a backyard get-together, there's nothing like a roaring fire to bring you back to what matters. Okay, I'm not camping in the woods. Gary, you go camping in the woods. I camp You've in done the woods. that your whole life. By, yeah, I, by all means. Yeah. That's not for me. A backyard get-together. There's a guy up the street who has people at his house every single night outdoors. They have dinners. It's like 10 to 20 people. And I always sort of look in and say, is this smart? But it's outdoors. And they do seem to be separated. And they do have fire there. Um, the things that matters, according to this uh, commercial, is the things digital distractions and the frenzy of everyday life make too easy to forget. Okay. My son has the solo stove. He and I put it in the trunk of his car. He drove it down to South Carolina to use with his in-laws. That may have been last night. It may be tonight. I've got to get a report on how the solo stove worked. Um, I think Chris has one. Isn't that right, Nigel? That, Chris that, is, that is, in fact, true. I saw on social media he, he uh, posted when that thing landed. I guess it was an early Christmas present for him. And I have some experience with those things as well, and they are tremendous. And, and they're good, Tony. right? Tremendous, so he, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've got a friend who's got one of the fire pit ones. I know what a fire pit fan you are. Um, yeah. but they, they do have camp stoves and, and I think even like grill and grill accessories too. The fire pits are unbelievable. They, they burn completely smokeless. So something about the way that they're designed, it, it like sucks in the air that would be the smoke and regenerate, re regenerates it to help burn the wood. And it just it incinerates wood and generates tremendous heat. I mean, they, these things are legit for real. Well, this is, um, from camp stoves to backyard bonfires, solo stove products are portable. <clears throat> they're built to last. They're easy to light with a few bits of starter. Your fire is blazing in minutes. Take your solo stove with you on the road, as Michael did, or set it up on your rooftop or backyard. And solo stove is so confident in their products, they give you a lifetime warranty for every purchase. No one needs a reason to gather around the fire. Solo stove just took away any reason not to. And now you can get $10 off when you use the promo code TONY at checkout. Go to solostove, S-O-L-O-S-T-O-V-E dot com. And remember, you get $10 off when you use the promo code TONY. So what we do, people, we use, use the, code. the code. code. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Joshua Baker, who is the jazz director at American University, who writes, I'm a first-time emailer, long-time listener back in the AM570 days. Um said, please accept this message as an application for the American University Jazz Department to become the official jazz department. Tony Corners a show. I'm not a big jazz guy, but I'm sure you know that, Josh. We have great kids and as an educator believe that meaningless and extraordinarily superficial titles serve to complete the academic experience. <laughs> my fingers are crossed. Second, it's always been my plan to write and record something amazing and significant worthy of the platform your show provides. My struggle has been epic. A new email jingle, passe, overdone, a ditty about a current vetch. Uh, ably covered by your amazing stable of steady performance. So this is a Christmas album, and it's it's this is Deck the Halls, is it not? This is Deck it the is, Halls. It is indeed, and it's lovely. It's I mean, it tends to be this kind of music tends to be background music, but background music in your life is very good. So our great thanks to Joshua Baker, the American University jazz director. Very very nice, and he plays in uh, Jason Lock and Four of CBS Sports and his own radio show, as we talk about all the time. And I mean, I would love to start with Dwayne Haskins, but oh, I'm not going to do it. I'm not. I'm going to get to that. No. 
because Dwayne Haskins I I'd get a reprieve. No. The day the se- the day the season ends for that team, they should cut him. But you can re- you can respond to that later. I got to okay. start with Pittsburgh. What sure. you know, eleven and zero, and now inept. What? Yeah. How is this possible? Well, I mean, they were certainly stumbling and, and fumbling and, and a little bit punch drunk uh, before the Washington football team finally beat. Excuse me, finally beat them. Right. Um, you recall Mike Tomlin uh, after a Wednesday afternoon tilt with uh, a Ravens team that was uh, the roster was was really completely transformed by COVID. You know, and, and Tomlin referred to you know barely beating the the JV team, and That's there right. were there were signs that this was not uh, a a a an, uh, an operation that was particularly smooth, and this was not a team that appeared to be coming out of November um, playing great football or peaking. Now, what they were doing was finding ways to win games. Um, but the, it, the way they were doing it, the, the, what it was requiring, didn't look like a template that um, was easily replicated, and, and especially when they faced better teams and, and better defenses in particular. The offense, um, they don't run the ball. Um, they don't like run the ball in terms of actually trying to run the ball. You know, Ben's uh, attempted more passes than anybody in the league. When they do run the ball, they run it for 3.7 yards per carry. Um, this is a team, much like Dallas, a couple years ago, you talk about their um, offensive line and, and um, how great it is. And, and there's, there's, you know, adjective after adjective to describe um, their performance. And, and now it is not the same. Uh, Pouncey has had pretty much a lost year. They're still, you know, all uh, Pro Bowl center, but he, he's not playing at a Pro Bowl level. Uh, left guard has become an issue. Right tackle has become an issue. They don't, unless you really try to run the football, unless that's really your mentality, it, it's hard to all of a sudden become that team and adopt that mentality and do so in late December when you don't have a feature back and you don't have a great offensive line and the quarterback tends to check out of run plays to get into pass plays anyway. That quarterback really doesn't want to be hit anymore. He is immobile. Um, He's not going to help you with any sort of athleticism in the run game or the pass game. And when he does throw the ball, it tends to go five yards downfield. He's averaging 5.3 yards per attempt the last five weeks. And the receivers are dropping balls because they're sick of getting killed. Because it's hospital ball after medicine ball. You're going four yards downfield where linebackers and safeties know they don't throw it deep. And there's only certain quadrants you have to defend, and everything is being contested. Everything is high traffic. So dudes are going to get blown up. Dudes are going to drop some balls. And when you throw it 50 times a game, problems will arise. You will have interceptions. You will have tip balls. You will have drops. And on top of that, the defense has slowly been eroding by attrition. Injury after injury, key injury, that you survive for a while. You know, Devin Bush, next man up, Mickey Spillane. Well, now Robert Spillane, when they call me. Now we don't even have Spillane. You know, now Vince Williams is banged up. Now Bud Dupree's out for the year. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick's a great football player. The Steelers can't stop the run. You can, you, can, you can avoid Minka Fitzpatrick in the pass game, and you can run at them on the edges and have great success doing that. Um, I don't know that they're going to win another football game. Uh, well, I they got don't. the Colts and the Browns. They got two 10-win teams. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and two teams that can run the ball, two teams that are all about running the ball. Um, and the Colts play really good defense. The Browns, not so much. Um, but I think the, the Browns with those two running backs and with their um, very dominant offensive line and with their three tight end attack, I think they have just the ingredients to, to sort of wear down and wear out a Steelers defense. And, and um, I, I just don't see the Steelers putting up a lot of points. And they're going to have real existential macro-level discussions whenever their season does end. Um, and they get into their personal meetings and they get into their exit interviews about where exactly are we as a franchise? And is this offensive line going to be able to just stay healthy next year and be ascending players again? Or do we have major issues there? And do we need a feature back? And most importantly, where are we at running back? And do we really, I mean, I'm sorry, quarterback. And can we really think that, Ben Roethlisberger, Mason Rudolph, and offensive coordinator Randy Feaster calling plays is going to be any better than what we're seeing the second half of this season. And, and so is let, there let me any get reason to, that. to expect that anything is ascending when right. it comes to a 38 to be 39 year old quarterback uh, who 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 can't really move anymore? So I, I watch these games. And he can't move. Not only can he move, he can't go deep. And when he goes short, he goes low. He, 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 he cannot, at the moment, he cannot play. Maybe we have been spoiled by Tom Brady and how yeah. old he is and how good he was at 38 and 39 and 40 yeah. and 41. But Cam Newton and Ben Roethlisberger, who are huge physical guys, they can't throw the ball anymore. They, they can't actually play quarterback. And maybe in Roethlisberger's case, this is the right age for this to happen, right? For years, those guys, and, and, and Cam still does because they have no choice but to run him all the time. These right. guys embraced contract, contact. They were all yes. about, I'm going to bounce off this dude, spin around, and then throw it 40 yards downfield and somebody's going to be open. I'm going to run over this guy or stiff arm this guy, create a little space for myself and then hit somebody open in the flat. Especially with Ben, that, that ain't happening anymore. And you're right, Tony. You, we, think of, we think of Tom Brady and what he's done, and then you kind of think, well, other guys are going to do it. No, he's a bleeping unicorn. Like, Tom Brady, 365 days a year. Oh, maybe that's an exaggeration. 363 days a year lives his life to maximize his ability to play football. He is with his kinesiologist. He is eating the avocado ice cream. He is with the trainer, Alex Guerrero. He is all about doing whatever he can do. He's an animal, right? He's consumed by, by doing what no one's ever done before and being a, a, a winning Pro Bowl quarterback at age 45 and still competing for Super Bowls. You know, and Aaron Rodgers has some of that in him as he's getting up there. But these other dudes, like, they have sort of more going on. They have different interests. They live their lives differently and you have to if you're going to do what Tom Brady does you better be doing what Tom Brady does you know in February and in March and in April and in July that's not Eli Manning that's not Philip Rivers that's not Ben Roethlisberger that's not Matt Ryan that's not Joe Flacco you know everybody else the sickle and father time is over your shoulder and you're, you're not going to outrun him into your 40s. Drew Brees, right? Drew Brees, has, he sat there for a month of thinking about whether I'm going to retire or not and negotiated a deal to be a broadcaster. 
Like, yeah. Tom Brady would never, like, that's not even possible. Wait, I'm going to take a month off, decide whether I want to do this anymore, um, think about my next job, and then come back and, and decide to play football anyway? No, 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 I'm playing football, brother. It's just a matter about where I'm doing it and who I'm winning my next Super Bowl with and which guys I'm bringing with me. A.B., Gronk, get on my back, let's go. He's just a, it's a different thing. And to think that everybody else or anybody else is going to duplicate this, I think, is, is folly. Um, there is a generation of quarterbacks who are hitting the wall pretty much around the same time. At the very same time, college is producing kid after kid after kid who is so mobile, so electric, who opens up so much in the run game, and will live with him as he becomes a better passer. Look at Taylor Hurts. I mean, that's the second round. You know, and he sat behind a guy who is by no means old, but who was playing like an old guy for 12, 13 weeks, and then they went to this other thing, and it completely unlocked the offense. So right. I just think, you, and those guys are cheaper and they're younger. It is a young man's game. Don't let Tom Brady fool you. Okay. Uh, let me get to a young man who, again, and I'll bring Gary in, because, Gary, you've been a, a Washington fan your whole life. How, Gary, how do you feel when you read this stuff about Haskins? Do you think they should just cut him? Is that for me or for Jason? I'm sorry. No, I'm asking you, and then I'll ask Jason what's going to happen with this guy. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a quick answer. And, and well, I, I think you need him right now. <laughs> so, yeah, because you don't have Alex Smith. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but but it's it's hard to think he's long for this place now. I don't. I mean, I would defer to you and Jason to to tell me all the stories about guys who have had the transgressions he's had and then gone somewhere else and, and found the secret formula. I don't think that's a very long list. I mean, maybe he's just not long for the league. I don't know. But but the way the coach has talked, and now that they seem to, at least on the field, be sort of heading in the right direction, I, I, I wouldn't think he's long for the place with Ron Rivera in charge. What do you think, no, Jason? Yeah. I, I haven't thought he's long for the place since he got benched in week three. I mean, that was really – he didn't – he. I mean, they, everybody's going to say what they say, and, and you know, you you, you 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 try to win the battle, the PR battle, and let it, you know, say all the right things, and we're going to support him. And also, you know that, you know, Kyle Allen doesn't really have much of a track record, and Alex Smith is coming back off a cataclysmic injury. And mm-hmm. even when they benched him in week three, it's like, we stay, we still may need this cat again. Like we still may have to put him out there. So we're not going to flog him too much publicly, and um, we're 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 going to um, you know try to talk him up a little bit. But but this thing, the the divorce was basically in writing at that point, and it will be executed at some point in 2021. Um, but Gary's right. Right now, they're they're in this battle for the NFC least and. These games yeah. are much more important than they ever thought they would be. And Alex Smith has now re-injured that very same leg um, that, that, you know, at one point he thought he might lose. So somebody's got to play quarterback, and you've got these, you know, Henke and the, the practice squad guy. But if you've got this other dude who's actually played some games for you and won some games with you, um, and was the 15th overall pick or whatever, yeah, you, you may need him to get through these final two weeks or maybe three or four weeks, yeah. depending what happens in the playoffs. But no, they're, they're, he doesn't have a future there. I can't fathom him being back with them when camp opens next year. I don't think you're, the returns that you get for him are going to be anything significant, and he will have um, 
probably a, a, a very short window in terms of transgressions wherever he goes. Um, and I don't know the, the, you know, the corollary to this or um, the comparable to this because this COVID thing is unlike anything we've seen before. And, and hopefully uh, we're not living our lives deep into 2021 or through 2021 under the specter of this thing, but we certainly are operating under it right now. Um, and anything that you, you know, that you do that could compromise others is, is going to come at a steep price. They're just not able to execute that right now because they still need a quarterback on the roster. Okay. Sally um, I will great get you on out that, of here. by the way, Tony. Yeah. Sally, yes. uh, Sally Jenkins. Sally, she was. Yeah. called him a child. Yeah. Uh, I'll get you out of here on this, and then I'll have you plug your show. There's one game that's intriguing to me this weekend. There's a lot of very good games, but the Tennessee-Green Bay game, do you look at that as something we're going to learn something about a team that may be in the Super Bowl, or am I overstating that game? No, I think it's a very intriguing game. Uh, I think it'll be high scoring. Um, I believe in both of those offenses. I don't know how you 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 wouldn't believe in both of those offenses. Yeah. They can they can beat you um, by bludgeoning you on the ground, and they can beat you by throwing it sixty yards over your head. I don't necessarily believe in either defense. I think Green Bay's is better, but Green Bay's really sort of fatal flaw is they, they don't really defend the run. And if you're a power running team and you stick with that approach with any um, sort of regularity and they can't win the game by halftime, you can expose that defense um, in the second half of games. And that's what Tennessee does. That's who Derrick right. Henry is. Right. Yes. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. Um, and the crazy thing about that game, too, is like if, if Tennessee lost that game, which I don't think there's any shame in that. I mean, that they're playing a good team and stuff happens. They then face a very kind of tricky Texans team, knowing they have to win that game to perhaps even get in the playoffs at all. And, you know, it's just, it, it's just this emotional roller coaster of it wasn't that long ago where they're having this incredible comeback on the Ravens, and then they destroy the Colts. And then they move into pole position in the division, and we're sitting and here saying, lose. that's yeah. a team that if yeah. they played the Chiefs, could maybe score 48, and Mahomes only scores 45. And if they slip up against the Packers, which, again, I don't think you could ding them for that. That's a toss-up game against a Super Bowl-worthy team. They're now fighting for their lives in Week 17 against an opponent that knows them very well, that has a top five, top six, whatever quarterback, and who has given teams like the Colts everything they could handle and more in recent weeks. So it's just kind of, that's the AFC this year. It's bonkers. Yeah. All right, plug your show for us. Uh, we uh, are with you guys or whatever on the airwaves and on the streaming stuff online from 2 to 6 every day on 105.7 The Fan Inside Access with me and my partner, Ken Wyman, and occasionally you hear Copper barking in the background or Kenny's dog, Good. Brucie, if you're into that kind of stuff. Um, yes, plenty of I football am. talk. Our producer, Cordell, is a huge Washington football team <laughs> fan, so we do talk There's about them dog. quite a bit as well. Um, yeah, you know, your typical sports talk show, but... Um, but better. Hopefully not. Yeah, but hopefully not. But totally better. Typical. Yeah. But better. Yeah. Thank you, Jason. We try. Hey, thank you, guys. Yes, Copper. Oh, you oh, too. Here we go. Oh, okay. <laughs> Copper the dog. <laughs> Fantastic. How does he know he's done? I don't uh, even know he knows yeah, when he's done. Yeah. <laughs> Jason Lock and Fora, boys and girls. We will come back with Jeff Ma. And after Jeff, I will talk uh, the way I would have opened the show. But we didn't have an open because we went right to Ann. I am Tony Kornheiser. 
This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Amazon Prime read, and we do it right after Jason because we talk so much football with Jason. Hey, football fans, are you an Amazon Prime member? This holiday weekend, Amazon Prime Video is the place to watch the NFL live with back-to-back games on Friday, Christmas Day. That's tomorrow. The Vikings take on the Saints in an NFL Christmas special. That feels like it's going to be a good game. I'm not as sold on the next one, but I'll be drunk by then. On Saturday, the 49ers (laughs) face the Cardinals in a divisional showdown only on Prime Video. Not an Amazon Prime member? Don't worry. Sign up for a 30-day free trial and you'll get both games. You can do that today. And you can catch all the action on any device, almost anywhere in the world, except, as I often say, La Crusette. Uh, in your oven. So this holiday weekend, relax, tune in, and enjoy the NFL on Prime Video. Friday, Vikings Saints. Saturday, 49ers Cardinals. Coverage begins at 4 p.m. Eastern for both games. Kickoffs at 4.30, both on Prime Video. And as we point out occasionally, it is presented by Bud Light Platinum. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Oh, this is tremendous. Baby, please come home. This is by the Dropkick Murphys, sent to us by Dennis Brennan. Says, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Thank you for being so kind to play the Dropkick Murphys several times this year. As a proud father, I love it. My son Tim is beyond being embarrassed when he hears that I have asked that they be played. He knows this old man is immensely proud of him and the band. This is just such a great song. I like this version. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you so much. Nigel, if people want to send us their original music, even famous people like the Dropkick Murphys, or if you're the director of jazz at American University, how do you send it? Uh, just want to say we're so blessed with this great music. I mean, both songs today, just fantastic. Thank you, everyone. Um, yeah, send it to jingles at TonyCornizershow.com, and we would love to play you on the air. So send it, send it our way. Yep. Jeff Ma joins us from Bet the Process. Jeff was 3-2 and two last week, his third straight winning week. He is 36, 35, and 3. And he is ahead of Chuck Todd and ahead of a monkey. I don't know if beating a monkey is all that good. <laughs> but he's ahead of Chuck Todd, who's an actual human being. And, uh, and uh, once again this week, enormous line move, it seems to me. Indianapolis opened up at Pittsburgh getting two and a half. They are now giving one and a half as people watched Pittsburgh and said, oh, my God, what is this? How often this seems to be happening a lot lately, or am I exaggerating that observation? Yeah, it, well, one, we've talked about this move around zero being not as significant as you would think. Um, it's even though it's, you know, four points, four, it's not the yeah. same as a move from, say, seven to three or minus seven to minus three or something like that, just because those points right around zero are not as important. Um, but, but I mean, I think what we're seeing this year, one, is people still not really figuring out how to model uh, home field. There's just a sort of natural inclination to give. Pittsburgh more value for home field than they really should be getting. And then, yeah, we're definitely seeing team, like a, a big overreaction to recency. And I actually like Pittsburgh this week as one of my picks, um, simply because there is a, a bit of an overreaction to what people have seen recently. So you will take Pittsburgh and you will, you will take Pittsburgh plus one and a half. You'll do that. Yeah, I, would t- I, I will take them this week. Um, I think, Obviously, they're, they've been very disappointing recently. Um, but, again, their body of work is still of a team um, that is an elite AFC team and certainly um, it, it should be a favorite in my mind over Indianapolis at this point. Let me get to a question that Nigel said you would like to talk about because it does interest me. There are teams that have been eliminated. Carolina, 
Carolina is at Washington this week. Washington has enormous problems with its quarterback. <laughs> you know, obviously the guy that they're going to end up playing is a guy that will probably be cut at the end of the year for what he does off the field as well as on the field. But Carolina's out of it. Now, maybe that's different because it's Ron Rivera's former team. But if teams have been eliminated from playoff competition, do you bet them or do you just stay away from them, just stay away from the game? Yeah, this is, again, one of those situations that is difficult to know for sure what the impact is going to be. But historically, especially in this week, so next week things change because people literally will change who they're playing and, you know, teams that are eliminated, especially teams. You know, you also have teams that have um, uh, qualified for the playoffs and and know they want to rest guys next week. So next week becomes a big mess. But this week I think you can still bet teams – based on assuming maximum effort. So teams that are eliminated typically will have value because the general betting public will overvalue sort of the narrative that they're just going to quit. Like I expect Carolina to come out there and play extremely hard and probably win that game against Washington. I expect, um, you know, like the, the Patriots are a good example there. They're getting seven now against Buffalo, which seems like an incredibly high number uh, for these two teams, but people just say, hey, New England's been eliminated. Um, Belichick isn't going to put their put the guys out there, but it's hard for me to believe that New England won't try to be competitive in that game. So is that one of the games you're going to take? Yeah, I'm going to take New England plus the seven also. It's just it's just too many points. Um, and, you know, like, again, this is, this is betting on the fact that Belichick will try to win this game, and it's hard for me to believe that there's a situation where he won't try to win it. And Buffalo is locked into to winning the division, and, and they can't move up and down in the playoff structure. They can't catch Kansas City. So are they locked in? Uh, I think they're relatively locked in. Um, I, I haven't looked at the exact numbers. I don't think they will rest, guys. I think they will try to win that game. But certainly from a standpoint in the NFL of, of um, needing a win, they don't need to win that much. Yeah, okay, Tony, who else? They're locked in from the from the division standpoint, but for the two seed, right. I mean, they're they're eleven and three as are Pittsburgh, and then Cleveland and Tennessee are all ten and four. So they, you know, yeah. they could end okay, up a so five seed if they're not careful. There. But yeah, um, I'm I'm actually happy to hear Jeff say that because the the notion of of nothing to play for, putting that in air quotes, to me has always been sort of foolish. I mean, it just suggests that like. Uh, you're, like you're not going to give maximum effort because you guys well, are on the deuce the and nobody's watching. I mean, you yeah, know, look at pros. the Jets. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the Jets won a game to their tremendous detriment down the road. The Jets yeah. won yeah. a game, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, what else you got, Jeff? We're going to take New Orleans minus the six and a half against Minnesota. Um, just think New Orleans is, you know, I, I still think they're the second best team in the um, in the NFL. And, and probably the, you know, if you were to, be in a situation where you were going to pick the Super Bowl winner right now. You obviously pick Kansas City first, but you probably pick yeah. New Orleans second just because of their easier road. Um, so I like the minus the six and a half here. Okay, who else? I'm going to take Las Vegas plus the three against Miami. Um, Miami is a tough team because they've surprised a lot of people, and you know it's they certainly have played well defensively and have won some some close games, but. I just think that they're a bit overrated, um, and I think Las Vegas, um, you know, still in contention, um, plus the three here is the value. Okay. Got another one for us? I'm going to take Seattle minus the one against the Rams, um, a game where, you know, again, like two divergent teams they played earlier this year, the Rams dominated. 
Um, but Seattle basically had to pick them here. I like them to win. And then I'll give you a bonus pick, which we'll take the Jets Good. plus the 10. The Jets plus the 10. I think uh, it, it's interesting because essentially they don't, uh, they they really can't get the number one pick anymore after no. winning last week. Oh. The the they l- lose the tiebreaker likely to the or and win the tiebreaker likely to the Jags, um, and then they're so far away from Cincinnati because Cincinnati has that win and and now is is basically they've locked this number two in that they should just play hard and they should try to play to win, and so I like them plus the ten here against the Browns team that'll probably be in a little bit of a flat spot. So I I mean. Look, if you're a professional athlete and a professional coach, you have to try to win all the time. The, the differentiation here is that fans go crazy. They go, why are you winning? But athletes want to win every time you get out there. Don't, I mean, that's, that's your whole point about teams that are eliminated, right? That they're going to play hard because they want to win. Well, and they also want jobs, right? It's not like any of these yeah. Jets are, are going to you know, benefit from Trevor Lawrence coming next year because – they probably want to be there. Will Adam Gaze be there? Will any of these guys no. be there? So, of course, they no. want to win. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. I appreciate it. Right, Jeff's so podcast is Bet the Process with Rufus Peabody, who apparently has gone to high school with everybody who's ever heard this show, which makes <laughs> us very happy. Thanks, Jeff. Okay. Happy holidays, Tony. You too. Jeff Ma, boys and girls. I, I saved a little bit of time here because I wanted to mention two things. One, um, Chad Stewart of Chad and Jeremy passed away. And uh, if, you, <clears throat> if you remember their songs, they were sort of like Peter and Gordon, except just a little bit different in the sense that their names were different, but they may have been the same people. But they had, uh, their biggest song was a summer song, and they had Yesterday's Gone and Willow Weep From Me. And it's all very pleasant British mm-hmm. guitar music. And one of the things that was so interesting in the obituary in the Washington Post today was that um, I think they quote Ringo Starr is saying about a summer song, said that, you know, it's, it's just too soft for, for England, but maybe it would be a hit in America, which I thought was very funny. <laughs> you know, like those softies in America, they like this garbage. It was basically saying, this song stinks. And I remember this song, and I remember liking it, um, a summer song. I thought it was very pleasant. And now I've got Gary on, so I do want to talk about this. Uh, the Wizards opened last night. Everybody's opened, okay? Everybody's open except Houston because Typhoid uh, James Harden has destroyed the entire team. Oh my and God. by the way, if I owned Houston, I would trade him. I'd trade For him. In, no, I'd trade him anywhere except a nice place. I'd try to trade him to Sacramento. I'd try to trade him someplace that he would hate. I would try my best to do that because I hate him so much now because of what he's done. But the Wizards open and Russell Westbrook Gets a triple-double, an effortless triple-double. And Russell Westbrook, I watched about half that game. He looked really good. Captivating. And Bradley Beal looked really good. They lost. They were on the road in Philadelphia. They collapsed late, right? And there's nothing else you can say. They had a Wizards ball. I mean, it's you know, it was it was a forty. They gave up forty in the fourth quarter. They lost the game by six points. Yeah, Yeah, they were outscored going into the fourth, I believe. What's that? You people out there who think somehow that John Wall is anywhere near as good as Russell Westbrook. You people are crazy. He's not. He's not the player Russell Westbrook is. Of course, you won't know this year because he's also uh, not allowed to play for Houston at the beginning because of his friendship with with, uh, James Harden. But they look, you know what? These two guys and Russell Westbrook, I don't want to jinx it, but Gary, he never gets injured. And he plays like that all the time. They sort of look like they could be pretty good, so don't they, you think? They looked for for two and a half quarters. They looked like they could be really good. 
Um, and what they did down the stretch was what they always do, or what yeah, they've done in recent memory. They stop playing defense and they collapse. Yeah. No, they you know they're playing a really good team in in the Sixers, and and we're not favored to win by any means. But I was talking about this with my boys. Like, what what whose personality did that team have? last year if they had one and i guess if anyone you would say you know i guess, I guess it's beal but but what was that personality like I'm i don't gonna, know what his personality i'm, I'm gonna is. get yeah, mine and i'm on a stat yeah. pad i mean like personality yeah. on the court so so yeah. if if they if they take the personality on the court of russell westbrook which they did for the first 30 minutes and let's just give them the benefit of the doubt and say maybe they ran out of gas i mean it's, it's early after a very short preseason but the I mean Beal defensively Beal was so active he looked so quick yep. like on the defensive yep. side which you weren't used Took to seeing charges. yep and, and if um and if they sort of take on that that Westbrook chip I mean I I know there's plenty of people who hate Westbrook I've I've always been a fan I found him captivating to watch last night it made me very excited to watch that team this season me too and then yeah. the, this kid Bertans is is a street the shooter Latvian laser but yeah. boy oh boy there was a period in this uh, like Se- at the end of the first second. half yeah where he, he hit three, three in, a in a row from like 30 feet oh the last no. one was yeah. absurd yeah he just yeah. pulled up from so. and, and and the rookie kid looked good avisha looked good i mean he, he looked composed it didn't look he didn't look completely lost out there so good um, i'm glad yeah, you feel I'm like hopeful. i feel yeah yeah me too me too. All right, we will take a break. Wait a minute, wait, 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 wait a minute. Cap, what, what? Schedule, cap schedule came out yesterday. We're not going to talk about oh. that at all? We'll do that in the next segment. Yeah, we'll okay. break that. Yeah. Or after well, mailbag. We'll do it after mailbag, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take a break. We'll come back with mailbag. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a Simply Safe ad. Everyone wants to keep their home and family safe, whether it's from a break-in, a fire, flooding, or in a medical emergency. Simply Safe Home Security delivers award-winning 24/7 protection. With Simply Safe, you don't just get an arsenal of cameras and sensors, you get the best professional monitors in the business. They've got your back day and night, ready to send police, fire, or EMTs when you need them the most. Simply Safe has an arsenal of sensors and cameras that protect every inch of your home or the studio you haven't been in since March. You can set it up yourself in about 30 minutes as Nigel and Michael did. It's super easy. Then Simply Safe's professionals take over monitoring your home and ready to send the help the moment there's an alarm. Plus, with Simply Safe, there's no long-term contract, no hidden fees or installation costs. And right now, listeners to this high-quality podcast get a free home security camera when you purchase a Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com/tony. You also get a 60-day risk-free trial, so there's nothing to lose. Visit simplysafe.com/tony for your free security camera today. That's a good deal. That's Simply Safe. S I M P L I. Simplysafe.com/tony. And as always, use the code. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes, here comes Tony's mailbag. He's got your emails, faxes, and your notes. Here comes Mr. Tony's mailbag. He's gonna read some for all you folks. The Reverend Mark Schaefer and the Schaeferettes playing us back in. Nice to do the Bethesda Bagels ad. Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the the, the D.C. area nearest you. 
All right, I guess that'll do it for us today. But before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, so this is Christmas and what have you done? Another year over, a new one just begun. And so this is Christmas. I hope you have fun. The near and the dear ones, the old and the young. That's John Lennon. Um, it's one of the great Christmas songs of all time. Thank you to our guest today, Ann Covered Hornaday. Unnecessarily, great to hear I'm sorry, Tony, to interrupt you. Covered, covered unnecessarily by Alanis Morissette later mm. in life. But that song Why did not need you? to be covered. Yeah. I don't know. No, don't no, know. no, no, yeah. uh, no. My what? great thanks to Ann Hornaday. Great to hear her voice again. Jason Lockenfor, simply the best. And our water polo, water polo coach, Jeff Ma, who hosts that wonderful podcast, Bet the Process. Thanks to our sponsors today, Simply Safe, Solo Stove, Amazon Prime with NFL games on Christmas Day and the day after Christmas. And remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. We will not do a show tomorrow. We're doing our Christmas show today. I want to wish everybody a very, very safe and happy Christmas Day. Um, let's get to the mailbag from Mike in Burke, Virginia. Did I hear our girl Liz Clark say that she saw a legal document in connection with the recent unpleasantness with the WFT and that it was CC'd to 19 different lawyers? Now that's what we call a Christmas blessing, Mr. Tony. Imagine, if you would, that those 19 attorneys each spent a half hour reviewing the documents. So nine and a half hours. At least $500 an hour, and that's likely a low estimate. We're looking at around 5000 in charges to somebody just to review that one document. If you're a lawyer, it gives you a little twinkle in your eye. If you're a client, it makes you want to vomit. Happy holidays all. Mike from Burke, Virginia. From Brandon Borzelli in Lebanon, New Jersey. Are you familiar with the transit of property from your high school geometry class? It's the one that states if A equals B and B equals C, then A must equal C. While typically used in triangles, it might apply to your texting issues. You text Charlie Steiner, he never texts you back. Mike Breen texts you, you never text him back. If we could get Charlie Steiner to text Mike Breen, we could test out if this property truly works. If Mike Breen doesn't respond, then the transitive property works. However, if Mike Breen does text Charlie back, this opens a lot of possibilities. Either none of you have the correct numbers, all three of you are actually the same person, or none of you knows how to use a cell phone. I like that. From Patrick Sitter in Sioux Falls. Dear Grandpa Internet Shopper Extraordinaire, I recently ordered two pair of jeans from Eddie Bauer. The package came over the weekend, and uh-oh, it only contained one pair of jeans. Have you ever experienced anything like this? If so, please provide some direction. What should I do next? From Tom Matta in New York City. On Friday's podcast, you talk about my hometown of Vestal, New York, and repeatedly mention the name Mike Majeski from Binghamton University, their ticket sales manager. I know that guy. I played Little League with him in fifth grade for a team called Howl's Plumbing of Broom Trophy. Mike was a hell of a catcher, even 11 years old. I know you've said catchers make great team managers in baseball, but can the same be said for ticket sales managers? I'll hang up and listen. By the way, Mike has a great picture on his LinkedIn profile, which appears to be him speaking to the local Binghamton media besides a cutout of Dr. Kornheiser giving his famous commencement address, and he sent me the picture. Makes me so happy. Keep Googling it now. Bill Isaacson. Are we talking about old wedding toasts now? My brother Mike, who is the ultimate source of your theater tickets, past and hopefully future, gave a toast at my wedding. He did an all-out roast of my immediate family, describing the ignoble parts of our family history that, no exaggeration, clocked in longer than Kevin's winter forecast. Mike ultimately led the crowd in a chant of Mel, 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 the name of a tailor near the river in our hometown of Milwaukee, whose prices were so low that the Catholics went there. Inevitably, as people were leaving, they paid their respects to my mother and said things like, Mike's toast was the highlight of the wedding. My mother said to every last one of these people, really? I thought it was terrible. Finally, I would add that one benefit to every email you read that mentions my brother Mike is that it causes a stir in your connective tissue in the theater community and he gets phone calls. From Jamie Edwards in Reedfield, Maine, I'm sitting in a waiting room. You know what's on the TV? 
the Hallmark Channel. If I had known how bad this was, I would have summoned greater empathy and compassion for the pain of my fellow Littles, as well as the bigs who must endure this torment every year. Do you need a rescue mission to come break you free? Say strong, <laughs> brothers. From Ken in Green, Maine, another one from Maine. I felt compelled to write you when you said it was kind of funny when a little referred to his spouse as my first wife. You see, my dad has called my mom that as long as I can remember. It is how he addresses every birthday or Christmas card. Of course, he signs all cards as your first husband, including their 55th wedding anniversary card last November. On an unrelated note, I've skied every day since the snowstorm, and my wife's on Subaru number three. Other than that, keep up the great work. And from Dal Kennedy of WTOC-TV. Last week, you discussed Zaxby's and some other pretender chicken finger chains. I live in Statesboro, Georgia. Birthplace of Zaxby's. Zaxby's. Z-A-X-B-Y-S. Statesboro, Statesboro is the home to Georgia Southern University. Go Eagles. I was a recent graduate and a young married man with a new baby when two guys opened up a chicken stand down the street called Zax's. It was based in glorified a glorified contractor trailer with some tables and chairs scattered outside. A few years in, they decided they wanted to expand, but they realized there's a yogurt company named Zax's, so they changed the name to Zaxby's. Many of us thought it was the worst name we had ever heard, and they'd never get off the ground. I believe I did not have that. <laughs> as I work as a reporter for the CBS affiliate in Savannah, please consider this my request to be the official South Georgia reporter for the show. Rick Devins of Survivor fame can have middle Georgia and I'll take this region. Thanks for the now 15 years and counting of shows and companionship you and the team offer as I'm driving a new car, a Subaru, God help me. It's a news car, rather. A Subaru, God help me, across my region. Uh, if you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Have a wonderful holiday. If I wish one of your guys had children so I could kick them in the <laughs> head or stomp on their <laughs> testicles mm -hmm. for you could feel my pain because that's the pain I have. Waking up every day.
Thank you.